From Boss Track, it's Her Hype Squad, a show about amazing women who've made incredible strides as leaders in their industry. They're here to support you and your leadership growth, to encourage you and hype you up as part of your Hype Squad. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited for you to hear this discussion today with Meredith Icegrow. Meredith was such a joy to talk with, and her passion for leadership comes through clearly throughout our discussion. I know you're going to find tons of value in our discussion today. Meredith has over 25 years of leadership experience in retail, technology, and startup, working for companies like Louis Vuitton, Apple, Aviva by Lululemon, and most recently a tech startup, Enjoy. Her specialty is organizing and developing teams to crush their goals. As a leader, Meredith focuses on personalizing support for leaders so they can move away from being an individual contributor and successfully lead through their teams. Outside of work, Meredith is a Muppet lover, baker, and overall explorer of places. She loves to take pictures with her iPhone and is learning how to create with resin and practicing calligraphy. She finds joy in both of these while also building her skills in patience. So without further ado, let's talk leadership with Meredith Icegirl. Hi, Meredith. It's great to have you on today it's, um, and good to see your face. Hi, Michelle. It's so good to see you. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. We, uh, we talked a little bit about your bio, which is very extensive and impressive, but I was hoping you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself in, in your own words. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I have worked in retail, startup, and technology um, in a multitude of roles over the past 20 plus years. And uh, one of the things I love to do most is develop leaders. I have found that organizational leadership and developing of leaders, especially new leaders, is something that I'm super passionate about. So I tend to spend a lot of my time focused on that area. Great. And um, I, we met uh, because you are one of our coaches for the fall session. So we're excited to have you on there. And um, one of the things, and I know I'm pulling this out of, uh, I, you know, we didn't prep for this, but one of the things that uh, I think we have share in common is the um, passion for new leaders um, having the training and development they need to move from an individual contributor to to a leader. And um, I'd love to get your quick uh, off the cuff thoughts on that real quick before we get started. Oh gosh, I mean, this is so needed in the workplace. I think about uh, going from the space of being, you know, considered a high performer as myself, and then all of a sudden being responsible for a team of individuals who are also looking for their own career paths and having no clue what to do. And, and so like, I always think about my journey as here's the keys, good luck. Um, and, you know, like turn the lights off when you leave at night, you know, and so having some type of learnings um, that, that people can kind of take on for themselves. Okay, I see how this works, I can apply it for myself, and really be able to take on what they know from their own experiences, either something that's happened through their uh, journey, or if it's something that they're coming up against in their own experience as a new leader, this is a wonderful platform and so, so necessary. We just don't always do enough 
service to our leaders who are really responsible for everyone, including themselves, to move things forward. We just say, like, take care of others. And your cup has to be full before you can take care of others. Yeah, I agree. And uh, completely that's where, you know, we were coming from when we developed the program and the courses. And we, you know, really hope that we are able to kind of get this off the ground and, and get a lot of people interested because it's it's just so valuable and needed. Um, so that that really jumps into the first question I wanted to ask you was, like, as a new leader, what do you think is the most important uh, thing to focus on or to learn? You know, it's, it's a lot of people go, wow, you know, I got this new job and like, I have to do all these things immediately to show my, my worth. And the thing is you were selected because you already did that. So sometimes you have to slow down to speed up and we don't always allow that, that space to be there for a new leader. Um, So I highly recommend take inventory of all of the things around you. What are the things that are working well? What are the things that you would want to implement change on? And don't take action immediately. Really take the time to assess because your immediate perception on something could shift over the first 30, 60, 90 days. And you want to make sure that you're really seeing what you want to go after, then making a plan, taking others with you, learning who your stakeholders are learning how to collaborate, even though you're the decision maker, and then taking people along to enroll them and moving everything in the direction that you feel it needs to go. If we just jump into action, sometimes we really miss some opportunities to either leave things and let them flourish on their own, or we might start changing things, but the foundation that needs to happen prior to those changes hasn't happened yet. And that's where we start to, to kind of spiral. Yeah, agree, agree. And then when, um, I guess you, you've had such an extensive career, and I'm not sure if you always felt this along the way, but being in the right work, like, how do you know if you are in, in the right work and, and have you always felt like you're where you need to be and uh, focused on what you want to be focused on? Oh, I love that question. You know, there are definitely times where I'll just use the word voluntold. It's like, here's what you're getting and you kind of have to make it work and you have to find, you know, is it something I don't like doing or I just don't know how to do yet? And that's why I'm saying it's not right. But when you take on leadership, you take on all of the things around that. And so the great thing is you can get stretched into areas that you didn't have skills in or you hadn't had experiences in, and it allows you to kind of grow into that. And there have definitely been times where I'm like, oh, this is not a great place for me. And the fit just wasn't right. And so I had to like sit back and say to myself, especially, you know, what is it that, that I, that's, where's the discomfort coming from? Is it that I have some growth opportunity and that's on me to help myself get where I need to be? Or is it that this, like, I know I am better suited for something different. Um, And ultimately it's being honest with yourself. Maybe your direct supervisor, maybe there's a project you get put on. That's not your passion project, but if you do it and you do it well, and you take it on, it can lead you to that passion project. Or it's just something that there may be opportunity to swap with someone else and say, wow, you got this, I got this. How do we collaborate? How do I start to lean on people who have strengths that I don't have? I can pick some of that up 
but really what I've learned over the course of time is I, I know what I love to do and I know what I am quote unquote famous for. And I try to always get those two things to align out of all the skills that I get to use on a daily, weekly, monthly project, whatever it is, basis. Um, and, and people start to come to me for specific now because they, I have proven that like, that's where I should be. And so people will start to design the work around your skills, but sometimes it's a matter of figuring out what those are. And sometimes you have to like take the risk and fail, take the risk and succeed. No matter what it is, you're taking the risk and that's where the growth is. Great. Yeah, I love that. And I actually have two questions out of that. Um, one of them is you mentioned about getting on a project that you're interested in getting on. Um, I know, you know, a lot of people here are really just trying to figure out what they need to know just to be a good leader. But then it is important to focus on your career and how you can move ahead and getting on projects, especially higher visibility projects can be one of them. Is then where you can highlight your skills. Do you have any thoughts or recommendations on how uh, you can work yourself onto a project if it's something that you are interested in and you're not necessarily being considered? It's a lot of times it's about figuring out your strengths, like your superpower, right? If your superpower is organization, then in your immediate team, it's creating that in your immediate team so that all of a sudden people start looking at you. They're like, wait, what is going on over there? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's, you know, if it's something else, start to know what that is and don't be afraid of it. Lean into it hard. Mm-hmm. Then you start paying attention. What is going on around me? Who's doing different things? How do I just become uh, part of the network of, wow, that's really cool when it comes to my world, right? If it's something that's going to eventually come to you, how do I get in there early? What can I know now to get ahead of? Start asking questions, be open to coaching and feedback of, hey, here's some things you can still work on before this gets to you. And, And start to know like, where do you want to spend your time and start spending the time tapping into the, your resources who are doing those things. And so like, as an example, um, I love new store openings. So in my retail career, I was very fortunate to be on a new store opening team. And for some people that is just not the work they want to be in. It's too many open endings and follow-up and chasing. And for some people, that is just not where they like to be. And for me, that's what I love. I love to say, what needs to get done? How do I bring it all in? Start to figure out where it falls in line. Who's going to help? Who do I need help from? Where is an obstacle uh, or a bottleneck? And like, what do we need to do to move past that? But that is because my store at one point was going through a renovation and we needed to move and then move back. And nobody wanted to do that work. And I was like, I'll do it. That sounds like fun to me. Um, And like, because everything to me is like, how do I get these cool experiences? And then I get to decide. Right. And so like, so then I started talking to the people who were doing this as their full-time job. How did you get into that? What were some of the things that you did? If I need to take uh, another type of class or or get some type of certificate, is there something out there that you would point me to? And you just start networking. And a lot of times it, it's that you you just want to make sure that you are asking questions and taking action. 
Right. I love that. And um, sorry, I was distracted there for a second. Um, I love that. And um, the we should talk sometime because I the company I was just at, we, we were um, in high acquisition mode and high growth. And we were constantly opening new stores and buying stores and transitioning. So I'm sure we could share some stories, uh, even though I wasn't in the trenches, uh, you know, we were very much a part of it. So, uh, so it's definitely an interesting, um, interesting time and uh, a lot to a lot to do. But you also mentioned that you are um, what you're famous for at work, uh, knowing what you're famous for at work or getting to know that. What I'm curious, like, what what are you famous for at work? Uh, oh gosh. I mean, so I, um, at work, I am known as the person who gets it done and holds others accountable. And sometimes there is like a little bit of an imbalance in those two things and certain people can do one, but they are not comfortable doing the other. Um, and so what I have been told repeatedly is like, I can do both. And to me, I see that as a superpower because you can hold people able and accountable and you can do it kindly and you get things done. And when you show people how to break things down, so it's manageable. So you're not just putting this huge thing in front of them. It's easier to take those steps forward. And some people just see the end goal and they go, I have no idea how to get there. And that's where it can get imbalanced because you want to make sure that you're having the right milestone conversations with people or breaking the work down into milestones. And then also saying, I am noticing that you're getting this done, or I am noticing that there's a gap here. What can I do to help you fill it in and just calling it like it is. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of people rely on me for that as well. Um, whereas years ago, I said like, you know, I'm the person who'll just like do anything at any time. And now I'm just like, I really want to focus on being that space because that is something that, that I find is usually needed in project work. Got it. And then I guess uh, that's like you said, something for the, our listeners to just kind of be a, be a mindful of as they move up, move up in their career and have that uh, know what they're, starting to be known for. And I guess, understanding going into it, um, what uh, I get, it goes into, I think we, I just talked to somebody about personal branding, and knowing up front, you know, what you want your personal brand to be and what you want to be known for, and then working towards that, like I think you mentioned earlier. I love yeah. when I love when things come together. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's so important. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it'll change too. Like, you know, a superpower could just all of a sudden, based on a couple of experiences or things that you've seen in yourself, like can all of a sudden be something there where it wasn't there before. Or, you know, what we talk about a lot at work and what I try to talk about with my teams is always like, what's your legacy? If you were to leave here tomorrow and, and we were looking for someone who's like going to come in and take on some of the work that you do, like, what are the things that you're leaving behind that they can't do? That's your legacy, not the work. It's who you are and how you show up for others around you. That's the piece that is so unique. And once you figure out your legacy and who you are, maybe it's called branding, possibly, um, like that's the thing that you always take with you. And that's what starts to plant the seed anywhere you go. And I guess you you get that too when you start hearing from coworkers once you leave a company and go to another and 
those uh, those comments that people remember of your highlights uh, can definitely feed into to that legacy. Absolutely. And it helps you tell a story for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our own narrative of who we think we are. And then there's everybody else's thoughts. Yeah. And sometimes when you hear that, you're like, that's, that's what you think. And it's almost like surprising. And it shouldn't be. It's that we just we only can really understand how we view ourselves, because it's the only place that we know how to live from that's the lens we use. When someone else comes in and they can contribute to you and say, hey, this is how I see you. This is how the team sees you. This is how the company and the organization sees you. And this is how you've shown up for everyone around you. Like, take that as the truth, because they're going to tell you that because that's who you are. Yeah. And I think what's so important too is asking for feedback uh, frequently. So, you know, not, not every week, like asking your team, like, how, how am I doing? But, you know, every now and then one doing a check-in to see how you're doing, but also, you know, doing a more formal assessment, you know, on a quarterly basis, say, just to, just to kind of get those thoughts about what you're, um, what people are thinking about you and, um, I, I don't know if you agree with that or what, it, if it is something you would think weekly they would, would talk about. I, so in my earlier part of my career, I was not confident. I'll just call it not confident. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I say that is because I was still a learner. Also, I might've been great at whatever I did prior because I did it. Now I'm responsible for other people and I don't know what's in their heads. And so in my early part of my career, I was actually really apprehensive about feedback because I took it personally, Mm -hmm. like I was failing, like that feedback equaled failing. And what I have grown to learn and love is feedback is truly a gift. And I know that is like a very well-known saying, and it is absolutely my truth. And so any team I work with is embedded in every conversation, I am only as good as the feedback you give me. Mm -hmm. And if you don't share anything with me, then we both lose and we both actually fail because we can't get past whatever you might be thinking that you need to share with me to help me be a better leader. Yes, And, And allowing myself to be contributed to was one of the hardest things that I ever did. Because I just thought, well, I have to do this myself. I have to figure it out myself. I have to get all like, no, allow yourself to be contributed to. And that can come from anywhere, not just your boss to you. That can come from any level of any person that you are around. And if you can do that, you will be successful. Because as soon as I started letting others contribute to me is when I started seeing shifts in my opportunities. It was like the magic key that opened the door. And I thought, how did I like, how did I continue to just like turn my head at that? Like, oh my gosh. And, you know, it just, but it is amazing. And so with feedback, if there's a company structure, listen to what people are saying. Sometimes they need to say it anonymously because they don't feel confident in sharing. But if they are comfortable, really, really tap into it and allow others to, to tell you what is going on. And then it's a matter of how do you manage that, right? Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Let me see what I can do about this, right? And remind yourself, it is not personal. Yeah. It is about providing an amazing experience for the people around you so that they can thrive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That We could talk a lot about this. I, and I don't know if you've read the book, Radical Candor, but I think it's so important. And 
Uh, you're right at the confidence when you're a new leader um, or, you know, when you're just starting out in a career or just yeah. starting with a new company, it's really hard, but it's, it's so important to accept that feedback, just as you said, but it's also really important. People don't, it's so hard to give hard feedback, but it's all, on that side too. It's so important because they're not going to learn and know how to grow unless you share that feedback as well. So uh, oh my goodness. I, I, I could talk so much about that. Yeah. I love that book, that book and uh, the four agreements are the two things oh, that yeah. I lean on a lot, because if you think about in the workplace, how you need to move through, you know, any relationship in the workplace, like radical candor is really helpful. And I, and if, if I can lean into that book a minute, yeah, um, of course, ruinous empathy is where I spent the early part of my career. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be, you know, the go-to. I wanted to be the good cop or whatever you want to call it. And what I realized is I was doing everybody around me a disservice, including mm-hmm. myself. And when I started to say, you know what, I have to have a little bit more like, you know, candid conversations and, and be honest and I can be honest and kind. I can be honest and respectful. And if I manage the conversation and not the person, that is where the distinction comes. And so I read both of those books um, and I was like, oh my goodness. So I tend to lean into both of those things because they really do go hand in hand um, around how I show up, not just for the people in my workplace, but like in my life. Yeah. It has helped me strengthen relationships with friends, family members, people that I meet and network with, because it's the way that I show up is how others around me will show up as well. Yeah. And so like, I can also throw in there, like my trifecta, if I can, of books, yeah. The Secret, which I, okay. I know like a lot of people have either read or, or maybe watch the movie or don't mm. understand, but I love that. It is about the law of attraction. What you right. put out, you get back. And so like, I think about those three things and I'm always putting one of them in my head in any conversation and trying to lean into what conversation do I need to have? And what, what pieces can I pull from any of that to help me guide maybe this person who might not understand how to do that for themselves? Yeah, agree. Agree. Uh, The law of attraction is so important. I mean, just the energy you put out, it's you're going to get what you, what you put out. It's so interesting. I did watch that, uh, the movie and, um, it is, it can be a little bit corny because, you know, they do talk about, I asked for money and the next day I got a check in the mail and, um, but, but it, but it's, it's not about that. It, it is, there is a legitimacy to the, the, like the law of attraction, because it, I mean, if somebody really thinks through it, you know, if you're, if you smile at somebody, they'll smile back. If you are you know good to somebody, you know, they will like be good. But I mean, it just, it, it, that is how human nature is and it works and, and to kind of stay focused on that, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's just whatever you say, like I am, or I want, or I don't want is going to show up. Mm-hmm. I don't want this. That's actually going to show up too, you know? So it's, it's very interesting. So I, I also think like, I just went through um, a, a course on my own where they talked about a word diet and they were mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, put everything in the way of what I do want versus what I don't. And making sure you're super clear with your asks and making sure that you are very clear about 
like when you don't want something, we'll turn it around. What do you want? Because mm-hmm. if you say, I don't want this to happen, chances are it's somehow going to happen. But if you say, this is what I want, it actually gives you something to focus on and, yes. and work towards. Mm-hmm. And it may happen with, you know, a longer time in some aspects and a shorter time in other aspects. But yes, if a check showed up in the mail and because I want money, I would be super happy about that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, me too. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to focus on that after this, uh, after our conversation. Absolutely. Um, well, I'd love to hear if you have an interesting or funny oops moment as a leader that you could share, because I, you know, every, I think you said earlier about, you just want to be you want to be perfect. You want everything to go right, but it doesn't always happen that way. You're, you're learning. And, you know, as you like grow as a leader, you're going to continue to make mistakes. And I'd love it if you could share something that stands out for you. Oh gosh, there are so many. I, I like, I have to sit here and think about like an oops moment. (laughs) So probably, okay. So a couple of years ago, um, it's not really like funny, funny, but it was really a turning point for me in my leadership and my communication. So a few years ago, I needed to explain to my team that our location was moving and knowing where our location was, like our office was in this really great area of New York, right near all the major subways, like, you know, great food around us. And like, you know, everybody just loved Mm -hmm. being there and our office itself was super cool. And we were moving somewhere else to a different borough, not near any major train line. Mm-hmm. And in New York City, that people like you kind of live your life based on like how you get around. Um, and so I knew I had to package this up and explain to everyone that this was going to happen. And we didn't have any say in the matter. Like mm-hmm. this is a done deal. We signed a lease and we're out of this lease and we got to go. And I stayed up for like two nights writing a script Mm -hmm. for myself of all of the things that I was going to do to make sure that this sounded like the best thing it could ever sound like, like, we're going to do this thing. And it failed badly because I was so nervous about sharing the information and trying to make the silver lining and the good side happen that I was more thinking of it in being positive than being optimistic. Mm -hmm. And that was where I really learned the difference between the two. And I just tried to make it sound so great. And somebody came to me after the meeting and my whole team was very upset because Mm -hmm. no one lived convenient to this new location and people were going to have to leave because they were not going to be able to make this commute. Um, And I knew this was going to happen and I still didn't, account for that in the conversation. I just said what I needed to say. And I said, if you have any questions, like, you know, hit me up later. And, and I should have allowed myself to sit there and listen to people who were unhappy, whether they were going to yell it, whether they were going to say it, whether they were going to just internalize it. Um, I did not allow for that space in any way. And I was given feedback by somebody who was kind enough to share with me, you don't have to package everything up so pretty. You have to let people feel what they need to feel and figure it out for themselves, what they want to do. Yeah. And that really stuck with me. And I have taken that with me all these years later um, in everything that I do, because sometimes you just need to put things out there and everybody will process it their own way and allow the space for that. So that was a big failing 
moment that turned into a success later on because I was able to use that experience uh, in so many other ways and lean on that. So, yeah, it reminds me, I'm not sure if you saw it, but uh, Brene Brown has, there, there's a short I found on YouTube somewhere. It was about, uh, it was based on Brene Brown speaking yes. and it was a little cartoon and they talk about uh, putting, you know, empathy. It was about empathy yes. and don't try to put a silver lining on it um, and avoid saying, uh, well, um, at least, at least. Thank you. Well, at least. Uh, so it, it, in really listening to how other people are feeling and saying, I'm, I'm here with you and I'm here to listen. Um, I, I, I love that. I mean, again, we could probably talk about that for, for some time. Um, yeah. I mean, we, so after, it's funny that you say that. So after that disaster, I'll just call it a disaster after that disaster, uh, we did find that video online and yeah. we now actually in the company I currently work for, we actually use that for new leader training. And we, we take that on as a, as a whole conversation, an entire segment of our leadership training is based on how to be empathetic with your teams and how to really listen, um, listen to listen, not listen to respond and yes. be empathetic and be with people. And for some of us, it is a new experience. And it's maybe never going to get comfortable for some people. And for some people, it's where they love to be. And so you just kind of have to figure out like your place and all of that. But it, it again, that disaster like got us to a place where we actually, you know, teach that and yeah. say like, as a leader, this is a skill. You know, it's not just how do you crunch the numbers and how do you make sure your profit and loss statement look good and your inventory is clean or whatever segment of the business you own. You're you're working with other human beings. That is your greatest asset. And if if you are not the right space for them, that is what will drive them away. Yeah. Yeah, we we have the the little short in our emotional intelligence module in our <laughs> program too. It was just so it, it's like so short and to the point and just it, it makes such a, an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a great uh, cartoon and I love the way that it was illustrated. It's yeah. Cool. And yeah, Brene Brown. I mean, I love know, her. I know. <laughs> uh, um, so one of the things I, you know, I scoured your LinkedIn profile and uh, the company you're at now, you have an experience obsessed strategy and I love that term and I'd love to hear more about it, if you don't mind sharing a little bit. Yeah, we came, uh, so we have um, our core values for our company, and that is one of them. And uh, that came about because our whole company started off as an experienced company, and we've morphed over the years. So we, we look a little different than we did when we started, um, you know, several years ago. And experience obsessed was always the pinnacle, like we were always going for everything about what we do, what is the experience expected? Well, it's got to be exceptional. And so many people have a low bar for an experience. So it's like you're going in and saying, I need to be so obsessed with how this outcome needs to be, not like married how we're going to get there, more looking at the outcome. And that is what I'm going for. And I can build all of these beautiful things around that personalize them as needed to make sure that the outcome is the best one possible. And so when we talk about experience obsessed, and when I use that for myself, I always think about others around me, or am I contributing to their experience as if it were the 
most important outcome, because to me it is, Mm -hmm. right? Their experience is the better outcome sometimes than even my own, because I need to make sure I am caring for the people around me. And so I really have to put extra into everything I do. I might say, well, this is cool. And then I'm like, eh, I think this is cool. Like, Mm -hmm. what would everybody else think about this? And it goes back to that, that again, that fail. How do I care for the people around me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And um, I think you kind of alluded to that too, is that you can easily apply that and should apply that same thought to your team, like just being obsessed with their experience and um, make sure they're, uh, you know, learning, they have the right uh, resources they need to get the job done. Um, Just, and even, even really like checking in and sensing how they're feeling about things because people aren't going to always be upfront. It goes back to that conversation we had. They're not always going to be upfront with you. So you need to kind of sense, sense how they're doing so you can ask the right questions or, you know, try to, try to keep things from happening that, you know, could lead to. Yeah. And that is contagious. Mm -hmm. I always think like in the best way possible, when people find out that you really care for your team and care about your team as the individuals and the teams that they are, that gets around. Yeah. And that creates such an amazing work dynamic that even the ripple effect of other teams, when they start to feel that and, and see that happening, they take that on and, and maybe don't even know it or put words to it. It just becomes like it permeates everything around you. It just becomes a part of how you all operate. And it yeah. really can shift your entire work culture without like a program or a, mm-hmm. you know, any like we are doing this thing, you know, like an initiative or a launch or anything like that it can just become a part of your values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I want to say too, it's not, and it's not about just being nice to everybody and like letting people slide on performance. And, uh, you know, cause I mean, I think for some people it'll bring to mind like wishy-washy managers that, uh, or mm-hmm. leaders that, um, aren't really performing, but, but part of being, I mean, you have to have the, the whole focus uh, to part of being a high performance leader is you have to have that balance. Like one, you need to know that by treating your employees well and being, um, you know, yeah, treating them well, that they are going to perform better. So it's going to lead to higher performance. And and when you see people that are, or, you know, we have somebody on the team that's not up to performance standards or doing what, what you're expecting or what the team is expecting from them, you need to have those difficult conversations. So it's really the whole package, um, but it's, uh, but it's so important. It is. And also, you know, if you, if, if there's a gap in someone's learning, they might not be comfortable to come forward and say, I don't understand this, or I don't feel good about this, or can you help me? You know, there are times in our, in all of our careers, and especially I can speak for mine, where I didn't feel comfortable asking my boss for help. Like I should know this. I should be able to do this. I've got to figure this out for myself. And, and raising my hand to say, I need help was not comfortable or maybe welcome. It depends on, you know, who the leader is. And then it becomes, Well, now if I'm not doing something and I don't know that I'm not doing it or not doing it well, and you don't tell me as my leader, how will I ever change or how will we ever have some kind of work dynamic that, that we can be honest with each other? 
And then I take that outside and I go, what does that say to the people on the rest of the team that that my boss says it's okay for me to be uh, like a mediocre worker mm-hmm. and I'm over here hustling? Right. You know, it, that also drives people away where it's like, well, why am I doing so much if this person is not doing anything or not doing it right or whatever the, the case may be? So in order to be really fair and consistent, it's seeing each person for who they are, what they contribute and where their gaps are and helping them close those gaps. And as a leader, it's about that, like help each person where they are, where are they getting to? And everyone's going to be different. So if you take a one size fits all approach, chances are you're going to miss a lot. If you say, where do we need to be as a team? Okay, great. Who, who am I leaning on to do X, Y, and Z? Great. What gaps do you need filled in? Mm-hmm. that's where you break it down into that individual piece of what do you need and how can I support you? And yeah. that is where you get a really healthy team. Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, we had a lady on Yuande. Uh, she talked about situational leadership and I think that, that it's something to definitely refer to uh, for, for that, you know, making sure that you're leading differently, depending on what the needs are of each of your, each person on your team. Absolutely. And pair different people up if you can, you know, get people really comfortable working with people that they might not know very well. Like sometimes you'll, you'll really see like a different side of, you know, oh, these two people always work great together. Someone's going to put them together, change it up a little, you Mm -hmm. know, like really see what can people get from one another and how can they just like understand a different dynamic than maybe the one that they're used to. Yeah. Well, I know, um, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Uh, you know, our listeners, our audience, they've been leading remotely or working remotely for some time now. And um, I know you're, you know, not necessarily full-time remote, or maybe you are, but uh, you're leading remotely. Uh, is there anything that you have learned from leading that you might be able to pass on? Because I think, you know, even though we've all been experiencing it, we're still trying to figure it out, especially as it becomes more hybrid. Yeah, I love that. I fortunately was leading remotely before the pandemic and I've been working remote for several years. Uh, so I feel like I kind of got a head start on that. Mm-hmm. And I can think back to the early days of how to organize myself. So I always have me time. So as a leader, if I don't carve out me time, I can't have you time. Mm-hmm. And so if I just pack my day with calls and projects and and all these things, then that's missing the point. It's not showing somebody how full your calendar can be. It's showing the robustness of all of the things that you're putting on the calendar. And part of that is admin time or quiet time or heads down time, whatever you want to call it. You carve that out for yourself every single day. Yes. And yes. do not let somebody put on there, even though they see it, it's mm-hmm. yours. The other thing is some type of work schedule or cadence or routine is super helpful. So when I first started uh, remote, I was like, well, I can start my day at this time or this time or this time. And, you know, after a while, it's like, I look forward to actually days when I can go and see people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, humans. <laughs> um, and so like, when I have hu- in-person days, I clear my calendar because I want to spend as much time being present with the people that I am physically with, because sometimes things just don't translate to the remote world. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is check in a lot, not to the point of maybe micromanagement, but have a structured cadence of team check-in, individual check-in, and then maybe office hours where people can come to see you as needed. Find what works for you. 
Uh, and it sometimes it can shift. It doesn't have to be, well, this is how it is for the rest of my life. Your teams, depending on where you all are in your journeys, may need different things at different times. So learning about that um, and understanding and asking along the way, does this still work for everybody? Does this time still work for you for our one-on-ones? Does, you know, do you want to do a walk and talk? Let's go out, like, let's get outside and just talk on the phone. Everything doesn't have to be, you know, on a video, which is super fabulous and like so high tech, you know, and it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. It can be a get on the phone and get outside in nature and take the call from, you know, walking, you know, so it's, it's a matter of finding what works and playing around with all of those things. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something you said about check ins, because I I see a lot of that on social media now and people are getting, you know, they want they have work to do, and they're getting it done at home, and they don't want to be they don't want to be checked in on, Um, they just want to provide their, you know, their output. And if everything is going well, you know, don't don't bother me. Um, How? I don't, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot, but how do you recommend leaders kind of navigate that? Because I know you mentioned about like, don't be a micromanager, but do you think it's like communicating upfront the benefits or why you're checking in so they understand it's that it's not that you're trying to make sure they're doing the work and it's more of a resource, like how are you doing type thing? Yeah, that could be, it's very interesting. Uh, the way I look at it is that if I am checking in with someone is because I care. Mm-hmm. And so I will preface any, any conversations with my teams of, I will put time on for us. We can do weekly or biweekly. We can do more than once a week. If you know, our calendars allow my thought is I want to see how are you doing? I can see the output of your work, right? But me having a conversation connecting with you, that is two individuals, we might talk about work. We might talk about dogs. We might talk about the best cupcake we ever ate. It can be any number of things. And so if we allow ourselves to be part of a conversation that takes us beyond work and we bring our whole self to the conversation, people will be less resistant and more open to having those conversations. It's very easy for someone to see, oh my gosh, my boss just put something on. I'm in trouble. They're, mm-hmm. they're trying to find out where I am in this project. No, I know where you are because maybe we share an Asana task board or, you know, yeah. like there's, there's enough communication in other ways. I want to hear your voice. I want to see your face. I want to know how is your week? What yeah. are you doing this weekend? Like what, you know, like tell me something new. What TV show are you binge watching? I don't care. Let's just talk. It is two human beings. Yeah. You have to connect with the whole human. Mm-hmm. And some people are not used to that. And it's scary. That is actually scarier than having the boss check in on you is the, oh my gosh, I can talk about anything. Yeah. Um, Again, when you create a space of trust, you get so much more than the output of the work. You get it like it just blossoms and it becomes so much larger than you could imagine it to be. Yeah. So I think it goes back to, you have to work on building that trust with your team so that they know you're coming from that place. And you don't just earn that overnight. So I think uh, there's probably a lot behind that from what, what you mentioned. Yeah. And people will always and only come from their own personal experiences. Yeah. That is all we all have to rely on. Right. So yeah. sometimes I will be assigned to someone new and I'm like, well, oh, this person reminds me of, and I'm like, no, that person is mm-hmm. not that person. 
they might have similar characteristics in this first meeting or two. Um, they may remind me and I have to remind myself consistently, this person is not that person. This person is this person yeah. and allow that person to be who they are and, and trust and treat that person as the individual that they are and not take a past experience and project it onto this person because that would maybe not be a great idea for me or that person. And, and we won't, we won't flourish together. And the goal is that when I am assigned to someone new, my goal is I want to make them look good. Making them look good makes me feel good, which makes me look good. Whatever you want to look mm -hmm. at it as I am here to make sure that we are successful together and whatever we need to do to get there is what my commitment is. And so like, like not assigning a, an, a past experience to a current experience mm -hmm. is, is really valuable. And also lean on the experience itself. Like, what did I learn out of that? And what do I want to make sure that I maybe contribute differently yeah. this time? Yeah. Very that valuable advice. And it's so hard. It is so hard. It, it's, it's human to use your past experiences and to, to make sure you're paying attention to whether you're doing that or not. It, it's, you, you, it becomes a practice that you have to exercise it and be intentional. It is, it is. And, you know, when we get into our comfort zone, it's really easy to say, oh, this is exactly where I need to be. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, it's, there's no such thing as a comfort zone. There's like where you feel good about things and things will always change. So you'll constantly be pushed outside of it. it might be in little tiny increments and it might be in really big nudges. Uh, and so like getting comfortable in the uncomfortable is like, it's always going to benefit you because it will allow you to adapt to any number of things and just take all of the, the things that you've learned along the way and allow you to like figure out how you want to use them. So, because I always say the minute I get comfortable, I know something big is going to happen because like that is just the nature of life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Uh, so kind of continuing, because I think remote work has led to a little bit of this, because uh, I think what we're, fa we're finding is that when you work remotely, it's, it's easier to put so much more time and focus into your work and not, uh, and it goes back to routines. So we're hearing a lot about burnout and teams experience or, or feeling burnout. I think, you know, leaders are trying to figure out like, how do you recognize burnout in your team? And then what do you do about it? So I'm curious if you've run into that at all with your, if any, anybody on your team and how did you recognize that they were, they were experiencing that burnout? When I see it on someone else, it's usually like when we start talking and I, I only hear the things that are problematic. And one thing I love about problems is there's always a solution, right? And I always yeah. say a complaint is an opportunity in disguise. And so I, I always try to say like, what can I take off your plate? Like you obviously have too much going on. And if you're telling me all of these things, like, well, what can we have you focus on? How can I help you prioritize your work? Burnout is like a combination of maybe feeling like you have to do more or not knowing how to say no. And, and like, it's okay to have boundaries. And so the first thing I'll say to people is, what does your calendar look like? Mm -hmm. And I will go on their calendar with them and say, you don't have anything blocked as don't schedule meetings here, here, and here, mm -hmm. or these are my working hours. Please respect them and turning everything off and saying no to meetings. If you're working with people on different coasts, I do that a lot. I am. The first thing I am is where are you and how do I respect what a 
time uh, zone difference looks like. I'm not going to put a a call on at 10 o'clock my time east coast for someone on the west coast that's 7 a.m i would not yeah. do that to them yeah just like if i was on the west coast when i lived on the west coast i didn't put anything on past like you know three o'clock in the afternoon um but then also i use that time as my sweet spot so mm-hmm. if you do get to work with people in different time zones use that to your benefit the other thing is take lots of breaks during the day for every hour that you work, get up for five minutes and walk around, put on your pump up song, dance around, go take your dog for a walk, make a new drink, stay hydrated, whatever it is, you know, and then really remind yourself, it's just a to do list. And mm-hmm. unless I have a buy when this has to get done, then everything else is flexible, shiftable, yeah. adaptable, or say, I just can't take on anything else right now until give me like another, whatever your timeline is, uh, until I'm complete with this project, I don't feel comfortable taking anything else on. Beyond this, I've got lots of bandwidth. But just know your own limits and don't feel like you have to take the weight of the world on because someone else doesn't know what your limits are or how much bandwidth you actually really have. So, So having those boundaries is for you. Sharing them is for others to help you. And the way that I always look at it is if you are burnt out, like what can you do to help put a stop to it? You know, recognizing it is one thing and then taking the actions and saying, I need help. Again, it allows you to be contributed to. I need help. I feel like I am burning out or I burnt out. I need to do something different because if you can control it in your current environment, you are less likely to get it further on, whether you stay where you are or you wind up leaving and going somewhere else. Cause wherever you go, there you are. And mm-hmm. I always say like, when you can resolve something and allow yourself, this is how it's going to be. People will respect that. They just don't know. And so they, it's not that they're being disrespectful. They don't know where the end is. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to I want to say I um, I'm not sure if you've uh, if you follow Brendan Burchard, uh, but he yes. is uh, you know he has his high performance habits book, and one of the mm-hmm. high performance habits is every every for every 50 minutes take a five or 10 minute break. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to especially if you're doing something like really focused with really focused work because you're going to be more productive and think more clearly. Uh, if you take that break, it, it sounds like you're giving up time, but you're actually giving getting time back, and it's part of being a high performance leader. So, I, uh, yes. I I I like that, and and definitely promote that. Yeah, and this is also where it's like, do you need to be involved in everything? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're yes. if you're using the the like the racy model, you know, if yes, you're responsible for it, but like, could you have someone else sit in on a meeting? First of all, it allows others to elevate. Mm-hmm. Put yes. someone else in a meeting that you can step away from. Like if you don't have to be in every single detail and piece of the business, let others rise. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, it opens up space for you. And it opens up an incredible opportunity for that person to say, whoa, this is actually what it looks like to sit in this room. Oh, goodness, I better bring my A game. And, yeah. you know, let them have that. And then that you can say, we're going to talk afterwards or send me your notes or send me a recap or whatever it is. Um, and it allows a different 
level of ownership for all of the pieces. And then you can say, okay, that, that freed me up for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And wow, what a gift that is. And I'm not going to just use that 30 minutes to put a different call on. I'm going to use that 30 yeah. minutes to say no thank you to anything else. And I can tell you, there are people uh, in my organization that I look at their calendars, you know, because I'm just trying to find time with them. And they have certain things blocked out every single day. And I think good for you, mm-hmm. because I know they will just get hit with phone call after phone call and and messages and all of that. And it's respect the time. If it's on there, respect it. If it's not on there, put some on there so that you can teach others how to respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And um, I like that you mentioned about you don't have to be involved in everything. And I think that's really hard for women, especially because we're trying to make ourselves visible and, you know, we feel like we need to overcome all these other biases and, you know, uh, obstacles that we're running into. And we think that is the solution, but it really, it really isn't. I mean, you just have to be strategic. Of course, you want to be in those high profile meetings that you need to be in where you can show your strengths and have input and, and show your value. But there are so many meetings you just don't need to be in and um, you need to, you need to let your team uh, get involved. And like you said, it's, it, you're going to be known for, you know, growing your team by the things that you do. And one of those is, is letting them be involved and, and get involved in different things. Yep, absolutely. And I always think, you know, in any role I've ever had, whenever I was like, okay, now what's next for me? And the first thing that anybody would ever say to me is, you have to replace yourself first. Mm-hmm. And if I don't allow others a seat at the table, yeah. how will I ever get that person in the room so that I can step into a different, you know, whatever the next thing is. Um, and so like, I always think about that, like, who am I going to send in if I can't be there? Or I, I think it's a good experience for them. And how can we have a conversation to prep that person? Okay, hey, here's what's going on. When do I bring you in? And then you can own this going forward. And that allows me, you know, again, more bandwidth so that I can look mm-hmm. towards something else. And I'm grooming this person for yeah. whatever their next thing is. So it's just a continual cycle of development. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And uh, so what are the core values of Boss Track? uh, One of the things we're based on is mentorship. And I'd love to know uh, who was the most important mentor in your career? Oh, okay. So uh, in my current company, it's funny, we were just talking about this at work the other day. There was a woman who came in early on. So I work for a startup. uh, And early on in our startup-ness, she came in to help us organize how we were going to uh, just manage our time and, and run pilots and like do all the things that allowed us to grow our business. And I had never worked for a startup before. So I thought, well, this woman has done a lot of retail. I've done a lot of retail. And now she's more a consultant um, because she comes in and she does a lot of organization and then determines who's going to own what piece of everything, what projects are a go, what projects are not a go, and and uh, you know, then kind of move forward. And then she was a contractor for the company I work for. So she was with us for maybe nine months. And I made sure that I spent as much time with her as possible and asked her to like basically tear me apart and help me rebuild myself because I could see that she had what I needed, which was a backbone. I didn't have one at that time. And I was just like, sure, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. And sometimes you just can't make it work. And you have to say no to certain things. 
you have to say, is this really necessary right here and right now? Mm-hmm. Or can we continue to focus on this other thing and, and get the best result out of that? If we break things in half, we don't have enough to make two full. We have to go after one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And she helped me learn how to do that. I still talk to her to this day. Uh, she's She worked for us about six six and a half years ago. So I still stay in touch with her and I, I make sure that, you know, I really follow what she's doing and how she's doing it. I adapt it to myself. And I, I just say like watching her and learning from how she operated was really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. I've had other people who've contributed in other ways for sure. Things that they allowed uh, in terms of me kind of taking ownership or projects that they were, you know, that were given to me. Um, so there's, there's always some way that somebody has mentored me but she is the standout person where I'm just like, I just looked at her and I was like, that's the piece that I'm missing. And I could just yeah. see it right away. And I just was like, take me in, I'll, like, teach me all your things. I was like, I seriously was like Luke Skywalker going after you. <laughs> she is my Yoda. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love that you recognize that, that, that you were doing that because I mean, I think that's, well, not, I think it's part of building trust with your team too, because you are the one that needs to stand up for your team and make sure that, uh, you know, you have the resources that you need and that they're not overburdened with more and more, uh, more and more tasks and more and more things on the plate. At some point there's, there's a break and they look to you. So you really, it's important for yourself, but it's also important for, for you as a leader because mm-hmm. you're now responsible for your whole team and being able to push back and knowing how to how to do that and uh, making making priorities yourself and also working with others to determine well what's the priority then. Yeah, absolutely. And as leaders, I I can also speak to there were so many times where I thought my development was just not important mm-hmm. and not having somebody to look at or look to or look towards or or whatever, you know, get mentored by, I was just like, well, you know, that's for like other people. And I, it's my job to like, you know, do all these things. And if I like, if, when I stopped looking to others, looking to others to help me is when like, I didn't do well, Mm -hmm. you know? And so no matter what stage of your career you are in, it is always good to have a mentor. There's always something new to grow that someone else has or does, or can do with you to help you kind of move along. So as a leader, no matter where you are in your leader journey, keep that in mind that having a mentor at every step or every stage is going to be valuable. Yeah. It's just, it might shift what it looks like or what you need at certain times. And you'll always know, and that's when you can go seek it out and don't be afraid to, and, and like, you know, don't be stubborn about it. Don't be in your head about like, I don't need this because no, mm-hmm. you need this. We all do. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, what, uh, what would you say is the best leadership advice you've ever received? Be honest and kind. Uh, there were times where I was honest and I wouldn't say unkind. I would say there, I was maybe too direct mm-hmm. without the, without the, you know, thinking about the words I was using. Mm -hmm. And there were times where I was nice and not honest. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between nice and kind. So it's, it's really important to be both of those things. Yes. I love that. I love that. And then in terms of uh, leadership qualities, what do you think is 
most important to new, new leaders? For new leaders, it's getting to know your team as individuals and what they thrive on. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if, the, if it, there's an exercise I did uh, once where it was, they said, you know, write down five, five skills that you use every single day and pick the two that you love to spend most of your time in. Get to know your people at that level. It will help you understand not just who they are and how they contribute, how they work together, how you can start to use them as, as a team for their dynamic. Mm-hmm. And always think of if as your team changes, it's not just the work that needs to get filled in. It's the, what did that person bring? It goes back to that legacy. What did that person bring that this team might need now? And your team dynamic will change all the time and be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, and we might've already talked about this, but in terms of the biggest challenge you faced in, in your career so far, um, what would you say has been the biggest challenge? One of the biggest challenges is getting out of my own way. I will be really honest about that because uh, I could I can easily say, well, this happened and that happened, and there was there was always going to be a workplace issue that you know I had to like you know persevere through. Getting out of my own way is the biggest challenge. I sometimes don't do that enough, and I I just go headstrong into something, and that's where again I get into trouble, and I'm like, okay, back it up. Yeah. let's, let's break it down. What did I miss? What can I do differently the next time? What do I need to clean up and, and not being afraid to clean up a mess that you made, mm-hmm. right? It's really easy to say, oh, well, this is a mess and I inherited this and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's your mess now, clean it up. Right. Yeah. So there, so just be, be completely unafraid to, to go through those things because that is where I found my biggest challenges was where maybe I let something remain a mess longer than it needed to be because it was not my mess, but guess what it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to take on, uh, you you know, you don't want to mess. So, so I I completely get that. Um, I know we talked a little bit about your, you know, the time you take during the day and making sure you have those breaks and uh, recommending that everybody else do that as well. But in terms of like what you do outside of work that really helps you, uh, with your well-being, do you have a daily routine, maybe like a morning routine or something you do every day that you kind of attribute your well-being, your personal well-being to? Uh, yes, I I walk every morning. So I wake up and I go for a walk with my, actually with my neighbor, which is really mm-hmm. nice. So I have a walk buddy. Yeah. And uh, if one of us can't make it, the other one still goes. That's a promise we made to each other unless the weather's really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we walk for about a mile and a half and we just kind of get out there as the sun is coming up and like get our steps in and just talk about anything. Uh, and then I come in and I make my coffee and I sit down and I watch ridiculous animal videos because I need to see something cute in the world, usually f- some kind of chunky cat or you know something <laughs> funny that just like gives me the ultimate giggles. And I'm like, okay, day is good. Put on some good music, you know, maybe light a candle and then just sit down and, and go, okay, you cannot read your emails yet. Yeah. You can read your, like I have a personal email and I have my uh, work email. You cannot read your work emails yet. Go through all your personal stuff, read all your newsletters yeah. that you subscribe to, you know, all of that stuff. Go on the social media, like really just tear it up. And then, okay, sit down to work 
and then get your day started. You're fresh. You're like not distracted. I also know that my best time for working is in the morning. Getting to know that about yourself. When do you do your best work? When are you most productive? Super important. And it will change over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that's, that's my daily routine. Um, At night, I will say I still struggle with shutting down and like mm-hmm. knowing when to turn it off. Turning it on is like a little different. Knowing when to end my day has always been a struggle because yeah. I'll hear a ping from my computer. I'll go, oh, it's just one more email oh, no. or somebody <laughs> really needs something or, you know, whatever it is. And then I can look at it and go, okay, I don't have to take an action. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is what I work towards now is if I still feel compelled to not stop reading I don't have to respond. Mm-hmm. No one is expecting a response at three o'clock in the morning or at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night, whatever time I'm looking at this stuff. Yeah. So holding myself accountable to not responding to everything I see. Yeah. I like that. And uh, definitely, you know, that, that kind of goes back to our conversation about burnout. <laughs> Just, yes. You need to, you need to know where your limits are and have your, have your boundaries. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And you also mentioned earlier, when you take your break throughout the day, you have a pump up song that you might put on. Do you have a a go-to song that really gets you pumped up? And especially like, and I don't know if you really experience anymore, but you know, sometimes we can feel like we need a little bit of energy or confidence uh, for the day, depending on what we do. Is there something that gets you going and makes you confident and feel great? I feel great when I, when I just sit and take a lot of deep breaths, like I do a lot of breath work, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, and if I just really allow myself to just sit and breathe or sit outside and listen to the birds, like that gives me confidence. I'm like, they know how to fly. I don't mm-hmm. like, there is something that they are doing right. And so like, <laughs> they just come out, they come out of the egg, they sit in the nest for a couple of days and then off they go. Like if they can do that, I can do anything, you know, I like, I, or, you know, I watch, um, any number of like motivational speakers, motivational videos, things that just like get me reminded that life is kind of short and the experience is what we create for ourselves. And so if I could see somebody doing something that was like unimaginable, then I'm like, then my, whatever it is that I've got going on really just is like insignificant. Or I stand Mm -hmm. and stare at the sky and I'm like, yeah, we're just, you know, floating around in outer space. Like yeah. I bring it back to like that kind of level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I managed to do that. Right. And uh, we, we have a playlist uh, for boss, right. uh, boss track. We have uh, actually two Spotify playlists now, and we yeah. always like to add new music uh, to that playlist. So I'm wondering if there's a song that you might recommend we check out uh, to, to get added to our volume three. Oh gosh, that's so fun. Okay. So what am I, I, it it depends. Like my pump up song can change. Um, sometimes it's like smooth and easy and I just want to hear it over and over and over again. And sometimes it's like, it is literally like, I'm going to be dancing in the, the seat of my car. And the one I tend to go back to is, um, I've got a feeling by Mm. black eyed peas. Like I just love that song and I get laughed at. I mean, I, when I go and do training and no shade on that song, it's just like, I think it's expected that that people just get happy when they hear that song, but I really listen to the words and like how each person contributes to the harmony and the music. Mm -hmm. Like, so the whole song just makes me smile and I could be in the worst mood ever. And if that song comes on, I am, I mean, I will like instantly just stand up straighter. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I needed that. Oh, 
That's the first time that one's come up. That's a really good one. I I actually forgot about that song. It is it definitely makes you feel good anytime you hear it. Yeah. And so uh, a book. So do you have a book or podcast that you would recommend? Maybe it's something recent that you just read because I'm sure you've read and listened to quite a few. Is there anything that stands out for you as uh, being like a must read besides, I mean, obviously we talked about your trifecta of books earlier. Um, Anything else uh, um, beyond that, that you would recommend? I am a big fan of the alchemist again. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, I could reread that over and over and always come out with something different. There is a podcast I listen to. It does have a bad word in it. So I'm going to say it and you can bleep it out. Of course. It's called unfuck your brain. Uh, and it is, it's all about thought work. And it is um, a woman named Carl Lowenthal. She was a lawyer in her previous life. And now she's an executive coach. And she does a lot of thought work on her podcast and really gets you thinking. And especially as a woman, it's really wonderful to hear a powerful voice in that space. Someone who who really takes no prisoners um, and says it like it is. And mm. for where I am right now um, in my life, I just, I love it. And probably a few years ago, scared of it um, because, you know, it was like that whole, as you, as you shift and, and grow, you know, you can you listen, you hear things and see things and experience things differently. Yeah. So, like I live for her podcast. Oh, I have not listened to that one. I'm going to have to check it out because I have a feeling that I will like that one very much. <laughs> um, so I know it's been, uh, we've been kind of talking for a while now, and I really appreciate everything that you shared and your honesty. And I think you, you will not think, I know you've shared such valuable insight and I, I hope everybody listening really kind of takes, well, takes a lot of notes as they're <laughs> listening because there's so much to learn from, from everything you've shared and just this little time we've been together. So I just, first, I want to thank you for, uh, for being here with us, but I'd also like if um, we're obviously going to share your contact info, whatever you'd like us to share in the show notes, but um, could you share them here for people that are listening? How, if they wanted to reach out to you and ask you more about something you shared here or, um, you know, look at your experience and want to reach out to you, how, how should they get a hold of you? The best way is through LinkedIn. Uh, it is the most direct and I am in there quite a bit and I love to grow my professional network and always network people with other people. So uh, I really live for LinkedIn at this point. And so you can look me up. It's Meredith Icegrau. Uh, it's E-I-S-G-R-A-U is my last name. Uh, look me up there, message me, uh, whatever you need, and and we can figure something out from there. But that's a great place to start. Oh, Great. So thank you. Uh, this has been an amazing conversation, really. And I appreciate you taking the time out and spending, spending time with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really am so excited for everyone's leadership journey. Um, I have loved every minute of mine, and I am just super pumped to see what this brings for the future. Great. Well, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle again. Just one more thing before you take off. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash boss track or sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's easy to sign up and easy to cancel. Every Monday, we send out a short exclusive newsletter of what we found during the week that we're excited about, we're inspired by, and we're watching and reading. 
If you'd like to check it out, just to go to thebosstrack.com forward slash newsletter. Just type that into your browser, thebosstrack.com forward slash newsletter. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.